0: you're listening to the future of work by singapore institute of management i'm graham brown your host and in this show we feature the leaders from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the future of work this episode is part of the dash plus series that examines the four critical influences of Dash Plus framework, design thinking, agile and transformational thinking, systems thinking, and hyper-performance strategies, all to help you and your organization emerge stronger. We're live, boom, we're on, we're back, part three. Welcome, everybody, as you enter the webinar room. We'll just get the proceedings up and running. Welcome to part three of the Dash Plus series brought to you by Singapore Institute of Management, broadcasting live from Singapore. Thanks for joining us. I know you're all busy today. I know you all could be doing some very important things, but you're spending the next 45 minutes with us. So we really appreciate that. This is all about agile mindset today. So really what is agile we're going to understand a little bit about the agile mindset and transformational thinking we're going to walk through case studies it's interactive it's a webinar so if you joined us from last time welcome back we enjoyed the interaction with you and hopefully you enjoyed it as well you'll get a chance to comment today you'll get a chance to vote take part in the polls that's what a webinar's about so Let's see how we're doing in the webinar room today. We've got nearly 200 people already joined. Hello, everybody. Whatever part of the world you are joining us from today, welcome. Thank you for joining us on this special Wednesday afternoon here in Singapore. My name is Graham Brown. I'm going to walk you through the webinar. I'm going to be your guide today. I'm going to be joined by a panel of experts as well. Dr. Kevin, we know, a familiar face from the Dash Plus series, joined by Dr. Jovina Ang and Kevin Fitzgerald. We're going to ask them all to introduce themselves in due course. But folks, panelists, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the webinar. I'm looking forward to your insights. So, for you that are new here today, thank you very much. If this is your first webinar as well, looking forward to interacting with you. Now, just so you know, if this is your first webinar here with us today, there is at the bottom of your screen, a chat icon. Now, what I want you to do is just say in the chat icon, just say hi, just say hi to everybody. And we know that you're here. We want to know which part of the world are you from, just so we can all get settled. And as we get started today, last time we had a lot of people joining from different parts of the world. Here come all the chat messages. A lot of people from Singapore, obviously, love to have you all back. And if you're back for part two, if this is your second or even third webinar with us today, fantastic to have you. Thanks for your support. Singapore, Malaysia, the Philippines. Apologies if I've missed any of you. It's great to have you here. It's great to have a lot of representation from all over Asia and beyond as well. I believe last time we had people, hello, Myanmar as well. Hello, Cambodia. There you go. So, we're getting some great turnout from all over Asia. So, what is it about today? Well, stick around for the next 45 minutes because this is what you're going to learn today. These are the four benefits of why you should stick around for 45 minutes on this very busy Wednesday afternoon. Let's have a look at it. Obviously, the speakers, you're not going to get a panel like this anywhere else right now on a Wednesday afternoon. So, Stick around to hear their insights. We've got some great insights coming up about agile, not just about the theoretical part of agile, but also the day-to-day nuts and bolts of agile. We're going to learn about agile for leaders, how you actually define agile, and we have a case study coming up, which is, I think, for a lot of people, going to be very insightful, really understanding what is agile. When you define it on a day-to-day basis, what exactly is agile. I mean, it's all very well talking about defining agile at the top level, but what is it when Monday morning you have to be more agile? How do you do that? So we're going to learn from zero. Now stick around to the end as well, because you can get ahead of the queue, jump the line for the next webinar. 250 people in today. Seats are obviously limited. So, if you stick around to the end, we're going to give you the QR code to jump the line and get straight in on the next webinar. So, that's why you should stick around with us for 45 minutes, starting at the top of the hour with defining agile. So, to do this, Dr. Kevin, you are the man when it comes to helping us navigate our world in terms of these complex definitions. Agile, we hear a lot about it. We hear a lot about it in software. Help us understand what Agile
1: really is. Well, thanks, Graham. Uh, Very simply, uh, Agile is about the ability to adapt really quickly to changing conditions, very simply put. Now, when applied in the business uh, context, we're really thinking about staying close to your customers, responding to changing uh, market trends and taste, even what people value. And when done properly, it always results in a faster time to market, better quality product solution services, and most interestingly, lower risk than any of the traditional approaches that we typically take.
0: Why are we talking about Agile now? Why is it a thing in business? Why do corporate leaders need to even know about Agile?
1: Well, there's so many things. Uh, for one, the uh, obvious thing is the technology is changing so fast and it's disrupting. We hear this thing about being disrupted left and right. Uh, either by technologies or innovations, and not just uh, technologies and or innovation. Today, just look at COVID. I mean, the Black mm. Swan events, unexpected events. I mean, that's that's the obvious one. But if one thing we learned from from uh, COVID, uh, that people are really capable of agility, even if they don't want to admit it. So, one very simple. Let me tell you, uh, anecdotal story from from my own background. The one place where people that really resisted change was uh, academics, professors, really really smart people. Right, but most professors around the world didn't want to go online. They say no way, Coursera is not going to work online. No way, Wait. nothing beats teaching in the classroom. Covid happened, voila, and some some people even write about how Covid has made the impossible possible. You've gotten academics professors teaching online. Just like yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah.
0: It's created the urgency, right? And in, in many ways, we we're, some people are forced to learn Agile and understand it a bit better. But there are technologies and there are frameworks to understand it and case studies, and that's what today is all about. Dr. Kevin, thanks a lot. we are back and we will dive into our case study very shortly. So let's have a look at the case study coming up. And hello to everybody that's just joining us, by the way. We have people from Myanmar, Singapore, Cambodia, just some of the comments in the chat. If you haven't said hello in the chat, please say hello, just so we know where you're from. Vietnam as well. And everybody from Singapore, welcome on a Wednesday afternoon here in Singapore. So, Agile, we're going to talk about Xero. Now, Xero is probably best known for beautiful business or cloud accounting. Now, you may use Xero in your company, and we're going to find out about the people behind Xero. And to do that, we're joined by Kevin. I'll introduce him shortly, so stick around. This is going to be a very interesting case study because it's not just about software, but it's about people. One of the reasons why we should learn about Xero, well, the numbers are there. We have a look at the growth of 0 I'm sure Kevin can update us on this. $638 million in annualized monthly recurring revenue. That's a pretty strong business model if there ever was one. And the people behind it as well. So, Rod Drury is the founder of Xero. If we can have a look at the next slide. Interesting character indeed. Billionaire founder of Xero. Xero, I think, now valued at around about $10 billion. So, it's a proper decacorn if you want to call it that, out of New Zealand originally, um, very much has that Kiwi agile graft, the ability to get the job done. We're going to learn a little bit about that. Um, fascinating character as well. Rod, I think he's still on the board, but active in Zero, but not actually managing the day to day, but his presence is very much felt there. And before we get to that, before we introduce Kevin and dive into the Zero case study, maybe we can understand why we should be looking at it. So, Dr. Javina, what do we want to learn about Xero? And what do you think the audience can learn from a case study like this when it comes to Agile?
2: Well, a couple of things. Zero is a very fascinating organization. I mean, it was just established in 2006. And in just 14 years, it's just grown in leaps and bounds. And what Kevin was just saying earlier, you know, it's, it's got a very interesting culture. Like you were saying earlier that uh, Rob Drury used to work in the office and then go for a sale at the back, during the, the, the off time. So it's a very interesting culture. And, and we, we also know that agile is also about people. Mm. And so I think the couple of things, you know, that I personally I want to learn about Xero is number one, how did Xero make accounting sexy? I mean come on accounting numbers ledgers balance sheets mean that how do you isn't make
0: sexy come on
2: <laughs> I mean number 1 how how did zero make accounting sexy hmm. and number 2 how did zero um, make it so fun uh, for the people working there um, because I've been very fascinated by the stories that I've watched. Um, actually, I watched Steve Vamos's um, uh, TED Talk. Uh, you know, and I like his um, approach to people and agile. So, tell us more about the people at Zero. And number three, why should people, you know, look to Zero to learn about agile? So, those are the three questions, awesome. Kevin. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, Kevin will give us some good insight on those. Dr. Javina, fantastic questions as well. Thanks for being so direct as well. I think you've nailed it as well. It's all about people. And with your background as well, coming from SAP, very much a people-centered business as well. They know a few things as well. So hopefully, you can share some insights on that coming up. Before we go into the case study, before we introduce Kevin, I know Kevin's raring to go. He's standing there, waiting to kick off, give us the zero case study and help us dive into the world of zero and people and sexy accounting as well. But before we do that, we want to understand a little bit about the audience. What are the challenges that you have? Because you're business leaders, but you're constantly facing change, and change is almost hitting us at an ever-increasing pace. We only have to look at where we are right now. Two months ago, we were being locked down. This Friday, we're out of lockdown. So things change very fast. And as business leaders, we're constantly having to adapt and be agile. Like Dr. Kevin says, it's like, how do you adapt to the environment and deliver the best results? So what are the challenges that you face? So we're going to launch a poll. So get ready for the poll, folks. The poll is going to flash up on the screen. The panelists don't get to vote on the poll, by the way. They can interpret the poll, so hopefully they can help us understand some of the data. The poll is going to flash up in a minute. Now, basically, oh, here it comes. We're already diving into the poll. So we've got 300 people who could potentially vote on this poll. The question is, as a leader in your organization, and whether you are a first-time leader or whether you are a CEO, whatever level you are at the organization, What changes keep you up at night? What changes keep you up at night? So you have COVID-19. Is that keeping you up at night? Is that keeping you worried? How to adapt? Is it the changing work environment? For example, you know, how do you communicate with millennials? How do you adapt to work from home? How do you adapt to a situation where, you know, you're not all in the same place at one time? What about changing customer needs? Whether you are an accounting firm, a tech platform, or whatever it is, if you're a bank, how do you adapt to changing customer needs? Or what about changing technology? One minute is blockchain. The next minute is digital transformation. It's hard to keep up, isn't it? And What about new competitors? For example, if you're a bank, how do you compete with all the neo banks in your space? Or what about the new entrance to your market? What are the changes that keep you up at night? Dr. Kevin, if you'd like to take a first stab at the results coming in now, just as we let the remainder of the audience vote, we've still got a lot of votes coming in. We look at the the leaders in the race. Can you offer some commentary on where we are? So those three most popular or maybe least popular changes that people are worried about at the moment. What do you think?
1: What, what I think people, so I'm going to try to anticipate what people vote. Uh, my guess, new comp- uh, changing work environment, uh, followed by customer needs and new competitors. I don't think anyone cares about COVID 19 anymore.
0: <laughs> Can you see the results now, or was that a guess? Was <laughs> that, an a educated, guess. I'm that was an educated yes. guess. That was a pretty good one, actually. <laughs> yeah? Interesting. Dr. Javina, what about yourself? What do you think the main challenges facing business leaders are today?
2: Well, I would also say changing work environment, changing customer needs because work is not the same or slightly changed um, and competitors as well because competitors are coming up right, left and center because it's a flat world today.
0: Absolutely, okay. All right, you've nailed your colors to the mast. Now let's have a look at the results. Should we see? We've done two and a half minutes on the voting. 230 people have voted should we bring the poll results up and then maybe okay here we go the poll is closed folks as a leader what changes keep you up at night number one it was close actually changing customer needs and changing work environment number one changing customer needs dr kevin why is this keeping our leaders up at night
1: well i once heard a a really nice term um uh well here's two two things to ask if you ever talk to the, the founder of Netflix and you ask Netflix, who's your, you ask Netflix, who's your, who's your, who's your competition? Who do you worry about? Uh, most people will say, oh, YouTube, et cetera. And you say, no, it's everything that compete to me for your free time, right? It's going to the restaurant for a glass of wine. It's watching TV or Netflix. Uh, it's watching movies. It's going for a walk in the park. So, so that's one thing. The second thing is, the uh, the uberization of everything, meaning that customers now expect everything within five minutes. And, and I need I need to have my car here in five minutes if it's not uh, this is terrible service. So So there's this thing about the changing mindset of, of the customer, what they want, what they value. right it has to be delivered in five minutes and then I have to compete with all these options. there's just so many options to choose from today and as as a as a business providing a value or service, a solution to your customers, you really have to know don't even know who your customer uh, who your competition is uh, and and that's what I think it is. I think that's what's going on
0: yeah, the, the first part's really interesting, isn't it if you if you tether it to those truths about customers as opposed to like category based competition, you know more like the emotional truths about customers, and I guess a key part of agile is understanding customer problems, isn't it? then you know, even though technologies may come and go, that you can service that customer and you adapt with them. If you have the right environment, like the right work environment, if it's lean enough and so on, then you can continue to service the customer and evolve with them. Right then, let's move on and find out a little bit more about our guest case study today. So, We've done the introductions on Xero. You know a little bit about them. The $10 billion SaaS platform, the software company. And to help us understand and navigate through the Xero journey, we're going to welcome Kevin Fitzgerald. Now, interestingly, we're very lucky, I think, today with Kevin Fitzgerald because Kevin is normally found somewhere (laughs) on a stage speaking. (laughs) And I think before lockdown, Kevin, how many miles did you do or how many air miles did you amass in a year
3: uh, i would say too many, too um, many. And, and i actually feel quite good about reducing my carbon footprint um yeah but welcome to the show it's great to have you here you, you're looking after the
0: whole asian region as well and it's a fast growth market so you know i think that the challenge is how do you service that market when even though you're a software company it's very much about people but before we go there I find it fascinating your your story, Kevin. You, even though you're heading up a software business, effectively, you're an accountant through and through. So, how does that work?
3: How did that? Um, well, I, sh- I should I feel like I should apologise for being an accountant, <laughs> um, which is actually really interesting because going back to what Dr. Javena said, it was how did we make accounting sexy and. I think, it was, I think it was actually supporting that, that professional community and making them cool um, because it's, it's rare um, that the, I guess, the coolness has been attached to accountants for a long time. So, um, one, I would say I'm very lucky um, how I ended up at Zero, but having the accounting background has certainly helped me um, understand how to grow our business and have a deeper understanding of our, our customers, mm-hmm. both the accountants that operate inside an SME or the accounting firms that we work with. You spent a lot of time looking through the books of small to
0: medium-sized businesses as well. I mean, as an accountant in your training, I imagine you spent a lot of your time working for, I mean, you worked obviously in a, a firm, right? An accounting firm. You would have spent a lot of time in client offices. And I imagine that sort of personal connection that you built with the clients was a key part of what you brought to the software world.
3: Yeah, it's like my, my career started as a, as a junior accountant in the middle of 1999 um, when things were very different and you, and you became a, um, you know, noticed if you're very quick at bookkeeping and understanding a business, which, which was brilliant because you understood the inner workings of the transactions in the business and what it meant. Um, but also at that time, we had a lot of interaction with, with clients um, who were, you know, small business owners. And I, I think that's where the awareness for me grew as a, a young guy, like speaking to these business owners and realizing how much reliance they had on their business to support not only their family, but their passion. Um, and that's what really attached me to the world of accounting, hmm. which I f- still feel I'm in now, um, which is great. Like it's it's really, it's, it's it's kind of satisfying my passions.
0: Yeah, the fact that you went into software as well, it's almost a very agile transformation in your own personal trajectory, isn't it? It's like you, you, you qualified as, uh, qualification-wise, I mean, help me understand, in terms of accounting, you probably were top of the tree, weren't you, in terms of your accounting background, a proper chartered accountant? It's not like you just studied at university. You went through, became a chartered accountant.
3: Yeah, I had a, I had a choice. Um, and, the, and the way it worked in Ireland was um, you could go to full-time university, um, gain a degree, and that would get you to a certain level of exemptions in the professional accounting exams. Um, I, I was probably a little bit impatient at that age and I wanted to go straight into the exams and I, I backed myself to work full-time and study at my time and weekends. And I completed the... I'm, I'm an ACCA, which is a uh, Certified Chartered Accountant, and in the middle of 2003. So I was quite a young <clears throat> guy to qualify, um, but it gave me the opportunity to then think about what was next and accounting at that time and still is probably a, a passport to you know travel the world hmm. in terms of in terms of uh, gaining a visa in different countries but also having a very um common skill that's used um pretty much everywhere and how long have you been in singapore now uh just over two and a half years fantastic good
0: so the question that Dr. Javina wants to know, and we have a look at the next slide, is how did you make accounting or accountancy or software sexy? This is a message that was sent to you through LinkedIn. Help us put this into context. How do people actually love software or accounting?
3: Yeah, and I, this is the, the practical side of me. Um, I always find it a bit weird when people tell me that they love zero, and it's been happening for years. And I remember the first time it happened in, in Melbourne, and I worked with a business in Australia for... Um, a couple of years before moving to Singapore, and I just, I just found it really strange at the start, you know, that people were coming up to me, and you know, the brand of Zero is very well known um, in places like New Zealand, Australia, um, the UK, and, and becoming so much in, in Asia. I've been an accountant. I would say, why? Like, I am curious, you know, I want to understand, mm. um, and they, they, they wouldn't talk about what the software does, and that was where I saw it. And why, and it was really what about um, how it's helped them achieve different things in their life. So it might be, you know, getting more time back to focus on the business, grow the business, getting more time back to spend times doing other things with their family or their different hobbies. Um, or it's relieved a bit of stress from them, you know, that administrative burden, or I call it the fear of accounting from non accountants. It's very much, I don't want to touch that and then we, we, we made it easier for them and that that emotion of love uh, which we all know is a very strong one to attach it to accounting software i think is fascinating and when we opened our hong kong office april 2018 the first day in Wan chai i had a lady stop me on the street and say is zero here now we love zero and then this message was last week how did know? Were you know you were wearing the zero t-shirt no, this was on LinkedIn. Oh, you okay. can see accepted my email. I've been doing some right. outreach. and um, Does that ever happen, happen with kid? accountants? <laughs> <laughs> they ever I stop accountants oh, and Ag-
0: say, I love your accounting firm.
3: Agile
1: ones do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Well, I think the key now, we're going to learn about how do you create a culture like that and how does Agile form a key part of that, that you can create those kind of connections as well. There's there's a few things I think, just let's bring out the data points as well. I mean, if we look at slide 22, if you bring that up, hashtag human, which I find fascinating as well. If you look at the next slide here, you know, it's agile is about people, not tech, sorry, not technology. And I think people are scared of agile in a little way that is a sort of, it's come from the world of technology in the sense that people hear about agile software development. You are a software company, but Mm. you talk about hashtag human. What is that about?
3: Yeah, it's one one of our five values, and it, it starts like if they were listed, I wouldn't say there's a you know a one, two, three, four, five, but there's definitely a one, um, and that's that's hashtag human, and we we recognise, understand, and support that everything we're trying to do um, has got to be led with human behaviour, kindness, not only internally but externally, in both building our our community um, outside of zero, but. Internally at zero. what we're trying to do and what we have done is, is not easy. You know, really trying to bring businesses to the cloud, um, build a really um, powerful SaaS platform. Sounds like it's a, a pretty straightforward thing to do, but accounting itself is quite complex. Mm. So building an accounting system in the cloud um, has been something that Rod championed, you know, nearly 15, 16 years ago. So I think our behaviors how we treat each other but also also how i think companies really define their brand and who they really are is in in very tough times and it's easy to make easy decisions and it's easy to go along um, with things as they um, become kind of easier and business is easy Um, but i think the growth of, of zero has been absolutely enormous and and that's a great feeling of success but it, it's also difficult hmm. and there's been some difficult choices to be made along the way and i think that's where it comes back to being human and making sure that we lead with that and i think zero's really displayed not only our um the way we rely on our values to help guide us but also how we execute on them and i think when when COVID hit in the region especially in Asia. Um The first conversation I, I loved when I sat with the leadership team here was how are we going how we going to protect our people you know that's the, that was the priority and we we've actually been working from home since the end of February, which was quite early hmm. um, we didn't think it would go on this long, um, but our first priority was how do we how do we look after our people, support them, um, let them know that their jobs weren't at risk so Steve our global CEO was really quick to come out and say that everything that we will do in the next two to three weeks in the short term will ensure that we will not make redundancies and we have not done that and we will not do that hmm. and I think that's a great example of um, if value has not been a poster on a wall
0: yeah
3: you have to you have to live them and it, they usually come to fruition and prove themselves in harder times dr. Javina,
0: I want to ask you because you've Got a good insight on SAP as well, an organization which is well-known for being very people-focused and probably 100,000 employees into headcount. So, the challenge being is that how do you retain that? Because I imagine there are people in the audience today as well saying, okay, well, I get that, but maybe we're not a software company. Maybe we're a lot larger or we have these sort of structural challenges what would you say to them you know in, in the sense that agile or the kind of cultures that zero can create are not necessarily just for startups or for these large scale ups
2: yeah well i think um what kevin was saying earlier is about those values about being human and also having the mindset to you know con- you know to continually improve and sap is a continuous It's a company that focuses on continuous improvement, but also the human factor. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that we do to to ensure that people are connected. Uh, We're solving the customer problem. It's also looking at ways in solving, in addressing the need as well. For example, when COVID hit, One of my uh, my colleagues basically got her team together and, you know, analyzed so what are the problems customers are facing. Number one, they've got capital expenditure issues, operating expenditure issues, um, they've got cash flow issues. So she and her team basically designed a set of packages to help customers address that problem immediately, but she was also able to mobilize her team to sort of get on the same platform to solving the the problem and getting everyone involved. And I think Agile is also bringing together the collective intelligence because, um, as what uh, Dr. Kevin said earlier, the, the business world is getting very, very complex and we need collective intelligence mm. to solve the problems of to- today as well as tomorrow um, but also looking at what people need what customer needs and that's how companies succeed
0: Absolutely Dr Kevin easier said than done surely
1: Yeah uh, um, so I'm going to pick you know I think the, the problem with the problem with agility or trying to uh, achieve agility is that you have to be human but at the same time you need to stop thinking like a human and you need to create great products and services for humans uh, so we're asking a lot of an organization what do i mean by you need to be human and stop thinking like you're human i think i think kevin and jovina hit the spot when i think for agility to work uh, there must be a lot of trust there must be there must be that emotional connection uh, the belief um i think the, the the reason why people fear why organizations fear uh, agility is because it, they think this is going to you know organize total chaos Everyone's going to run around doing whatever they want, the full autonomy, complete freedom, and, and the blah, 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 right? Uh, if you talk about Spotify, I mean, these days, whenever we talk about agility, everyone, everyone cites Spotify. Everyone cites about banks going to Spotify, saying, what, what can I do to be more like Spotify? And Spotify was small and saying, how much control are you willing to give up? Now, I think uh, I think that's a great example about how leadership, senior leadership, if you want to drive an agile organization. You need to give up some of that control or that micromanaging. Mm. Um, you need to trust your people. Now, what we haven't talked about is what the people have to do for the leaders who are uh, giving you the autonomy. And this is the perfect uh, accounting example, right? Uh, accountability. And now that, you've, now that you've been given autonomy to be agile, to, to think innovatively, to solve the, the customer's problem very quickly, to, to have the resources, but you also must own it. You must own, you you've, you know, most people want to own the process because you, you are, uh, you're you an expert, you're a professional, you know your stuff. Uh, so leaders need to recognize that and, and trust your, your employees to, to drive that. But in return, because this is a very human thing, that there must be trust between the leader and, and the employee, the employee must be accountable. That That, that freedom you're getting to do your work you must give something back to your leader, so to speak. You need to earn that trust. You need to, you need to deliver on your work. You've you got to say, if it fails, it's on me. Uh, yeah, I was given freedom. I was given the space to work. Uh, so I, 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 I'm self-driven. I think that's important.
0: And how do you do that? So this is the challenge, right? I'm going to turn this over to Kevin Fitz. The formula that I'm now going to flash up, any accountant would be proud of as an Excel function Agility, I think this is what Dr. Kevin was talking about, accountability and empowerment. How does this actually work out on a day-to-day basis as a leader of large teams in across different markets, different
3: countries? How do you make this work? And give us some examples. Yeah, great. And I, I think, Dr. Kevin, Elder, I love talking about the balance between the two of these and um, the multiplication effect because I think businesses like Xero, and we're, we're not the only one um, that really have adopted um very much open cultures agile mindsets um lead with empowerment and they talk about empowerment it is and how great it is to join the business and you've got the freedom um to do a b and c and and i always say to people when i hire them um you know right now today i trust you 100 percent because that's why i've hired you and I, i i trust you and i'm giving you my trust and I think that's a great way to start a conversation. And I, I do see people, when I say that to them, saying, oh, this guy, what, like, what's he talking about? Is this real? Um, and it, it really opens the door to much deeper conversations around why. Um, because I think that you've got to empower people from day one. And it really sets the tone for their journey um, as, a, as a teammate and a great colleague. Um, where I think the coaching element then comes into it is the accountability because, as Dr. Kevin said, there's got to be great responsibility and accountability that comes with the, the level of empowerment. Um, and I think that is a changing um, style that's happening around the world. And I, I, I don't think Zero is a trailblazer in it. I think it has been happening um, in businesses around the world and leaders recognizing that, it's great to empower people and give people quite wide guardrails and talk about where we're trying to head to and setting a North Star as such, but there's got to be checkpoints of accountability along the way. The difference that I find is that accountability is not a KPI. And I, I think that's the biggest change that people are seeing because as an individual who comes into a business, uh, it may be a new business and a new role, they want to know if they're doing well. They want to know if they're on the right track. And I would, I would, my experience in many different regions, not just Singapore, is the easiest way for people to measure themselves at the start is generally a KPI, um, and they feel attached to it, and they feel in control of it. But it's not about control, and it's not about the manager being a control freak, and it's not about the employee being a control freak either. It's about actually sharing the empowerment, Um, but also guiding people on what it means to be accountable. And for me, accountability in the teams is if I'm giving somebody that empowerment and encouragement and support from day one, the trade-off is them coming back to me and saying, this is where I'm at, this is where the project is at, this is where the customers are at. Um, And and that might be communication, um, but that is part of being accountable is actually communicating what you're doing, how it's going, what you need help on, what you need guidance on, what you're not sure of, um, and then you've got to be responsible for the outcome as well. So I think that's a big part of it. Asking for help is a big part of it
0: as well. We're going we're gonna to jump into the case studies as well. We've got another case study coming up, and I'm going to ask all the panelists to pitch in and put some detail on what all of this is. I'm going to just ask, just in, in rounding up as well, Um, Just before we jump into these case studies, and by the way, if you are enjoying these case studies, you may have missed some. If you didn't join us for part one or part two, we've covered some great case studies a lot of Dr. Kevin's anecdotes as well. He likes to share. These are some of the top level ones. There are a lot more micro case studies. But if you missed, we covered Pixar. We covered Innovation and Apple, which was really revealing as well. We covered Samsung and Xiaomi, a whole bunch of others, a lot of local ones here in Singapore as well. If you've missed these, uh, get your cameras ready because I want you to take a photo of this QR code because that will take you to the future of work podcast where all of these case studies will be found with the analysis of our guests. So all you need to do is just take your, you've done this before, folks, take your phone, scan that QR code, and that will take you to the future of work podcast on Spotify. There you go. The back, Spotify. There will, you will find all the case studies that we've talked about and you can review everything from today as well. So moving forward, um, great insights on zero. Now let's put these into practice. So all the experience that you've learned from your different backgrounds, we're going to ask the audience now to task you with a mission to solve a problem. And the problem that you're going to solve is a fictional case study. Um, Now, this is how it works. You decide. So we're going to get the audience to decide. If you were here Last time, if we flash forward to the next screen, you guys loved Uncle Delivery. That was a result. Now, obviously, Uncle Delivery don't exist. Somebody may have been (laughs) clever and gone out and registered the domain name whilst we were doing this, right? I don't know. That's real agile, right? (laughs) Uncle Delivery. We presented the case study of Uncle Delivery because one of the reasons we presented the case study of Uncle Delivery, I wanted something that was unsexy. I wanted something that was not necessarily a hot tech brand, because it may be a little bit easier to do it with something like that. But you know, what if I'm not one of those brands and I have to think about agile? Last time we talked about digital transformation. Now we're talking about agile thinking and agile cultures. So this is what's going to happen now. This is where the audience get to jump in. I'm going to present three fictional case studies, <laughs> and the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Topify... <laughs> i know that wait wait let, wait let's go back engineer topify because I, I think i worked really hard on the, the the slogan same day delivery also can so topify which is all your shopping needs here in singapore um second case study accounting uncle the uncles are back that uncle take care of your books not sure if that's a good thing or not mm. But they'll give you the personal service. Yep. I'm sure you've met a lot of counting uncles, Kevin, in your time. <laughs> and the third one as well is Ulu Online. So from Ulu to you in just one click. So it's bringing agriculture to the masses here. Maybe, uh, you know, it may be a farm or a small holding grower somewhere in Singapore or JB or somewhere. It doesn't necessarily have to be Singapore folks. And If you missed the Singaporean Malay references, I'm sure ask one of your Singaporean friends or someone we can put it in the chat box. What exactly they're talking about? So those are the three. If we can go to the next slide, um, now you're going to get to vote. This is what I want you to do, audience, because this is the task. You're going to set our esteemed panel to break down. We've got Ulu Online, Accounting Uncle, or Chopify. What I want you to do is in the chat box, just type in the name of the one that you like. Our panel. To dissect and pull apart, Ulu Online is off to a strong start. Yeah, there we go, folks. I mean, interesting about Ulu Online, um, food, agriculture, these are naturally agile case studies as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. Shopify is getting a lot there, maybe because it sounds like a well known brand. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. I so think we're getting a lot of votes for Chopify and Ulu Online. Interestingly, a county uncle's not getting a lot of love. <laughs> There you go, there you go, hanging in there for accounting, uncle. So, Chopify and Oodle Online, I think it's a straight shoot, 50-50. Maybe we could do both of them. So, let's see. A few more comments, folks, and then we'll take a call. Chopify, I think, is the strongest one at the moment. Should we start with Chopify? So, Chopify, let me give you a fictional backdrop case study. So, Chopify are an online retail platform. They could be anywhere in the world. And They are providing delivery service maybe for small merchants, um, maybe where merchants can use their shopping cart platform to deliver where they don 't have the capabilities to do it and yet I think their the challenge is maybe they have the merchants who aren 't very agile as well um, maybe that 's their biggest challenge is that you know they 're dealing with people who may be small businesses or they may be dealing with people who um, you know maybe large established retailers who don 't have a retail presence. So they walk into your consultancy day one and they say, "Hey guys, I need help being more agile. We're really struggling, obviously, with COVID situation. What do we do? How do we break this down?" I hand it to Dr. Kevin to take the lead on this. Where would you start with a problem like this? So
1: let me understand. So it's a re- it's a retail uh, it's a retail shop that comes to me and says, uh, "We need to go online, or are they already online?"
0: So they're not online. They don't have the capabilities to go online or the resources or internally the skills.
1: All right. Uh, wow, this is tough. Uh, a couple of things. First thing, first thing. So, so let me share, uh, think about your, who your customers are and, and, and what they really, really value from you, what your, your true core competence is. I'm going to share an example of one of my favorite examples of a, of a, of a product that went online and go, wow, uh, who would have thought? Uh, diapers. Um, if, you, if, you, if you ever heard of diapers.com so the very first company that brought diapers online uh, was a company called uh, com, and it's a great story uh, two guys uh, one of obviously one was a, a new father and I think they were actually accounting background and there's uh, something about accountants right <laughs> they got a lot of time on their hands yeah. <laughs> um, and, and uh, so they were, they were thinking they were trying to think of a, of a great business and then they realized the one great thing about why you should do diapers uh, online first of all you know exactly who your customer is.
0: Oh, I think we might have lost him there. Do you want to pick up on this one, Kevin? Yeah, sure. Because he called in the accountants and diapers. <laughs> he, he did. Well, uh, I, mean, I don't think it's too dissimilar, is it, from the, the challenges facing accountants firms as well? I mean, dealing with small whole retailers or maybe some traditional retailers as well. There must be a lot of similarities in that sense, right?
3: Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't say diapers and accounting is probably the, the sexy part that we were talking about earlier on. So I, I, I think what I would look at is, is my experiences with new retails that I have purchased from in the last 60 days.
0: Hmm.
3: And, you know, seeing them move really quickly to having an online presence has been uh, fascinating and um, to the point where in, during that period, about four weeks ago, I bought some beer on Instagram. And I've never done that before. And, and, and I work in tech, right? So I wouldn't say I'm completely immersed in my whole life as digital. Um, but it was fascinating to see that these guys who are running, a, uh, uh, you know, a beer wholesaling business um, up north um, near Woodlands, um, basically saw an opportunity to grab the wave of people spending more time on Instagram and social media because they were at home. Mm. Um, also the willingness of people to spend, um, you know, it's easy to go out and get 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 beer basically, right? Like really easy. Um, and I was sitting here and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And how they did it was simple referrals, you know, so they got people um, on WhatsApp and if you WhatsApp their Instagram page and they, they went from something like 150 followers to a few thousand pretty quickly. Um, And as a thank you, they threw in a bottle opener. And it it was just this really simple way of how do you stay agile to catch the wave? Mm. Because they haven't created anything new. Like this is not a new beer. And their wholesale business is not new, but they had to adapt differently. Now, if they had come in or if they were coming to us and saying, you know, what else we can do? that, That would probably have been something that I would have talked to them about and say, okay, where, where are your customers? You know, they're not going to, you, you know, your restaurants that you supply, the bars that you supply, that's dropped. The level of ordering, but the consumer at the end still wants the product. So how are you going to leapfrog the wholesale retail model in some ways and get your brand out there? And when we, you we say thought,
0: where, where are your customers, you're basically saying to them, look, go to where the customers are. It sounds really obvious, doesn't it? But in many ways, that changes. It's a changing... Moving goalposts,
3: right? Yeah, and I think, I think being agile brings you moments of realization, right? So it's actually sitting and talking and having, a, you know, a growth mindset. And sometimes it is the simple answer. Sometimes it's not, you know. But I think what agile does and having those types of conversations it allows you to surface it and say, actually, that, that actually sounds sensible. Mm. Um, let's try it. You know, how, let's... How,
0: how do you have those conversations? I mean, I want to before we bring back diapers because he's back, Doctor Javina. How do you have those conversations internally? It sounds easy. I think this is maybe the challenge for people Monday morning. You know, maybe I work for a bank, maybe I work for a, some quasi-governmental organization. Um, how do I have that conversation about agile Monday morning, like Kevin's talking about? Like, what steps do I need to take?
2: Well, I think for me, I like to start by thinking about what job. What is what's the job to be done here? Um, and this is Clayton Christensen's um, theory about you know when you innovate. Uh, the way your pe- companies innovate is by first identifying what job to be done. And I like his analogy about you know how McDonald's was able to sell more milkshake during the uh, Monday morning drive time is to make the milkshake thicker because people, the job to be done for the milkshake is to fill the tummies while people are driving. Because if you were to hire, because that's the the, the terminology he he uses. If you're to hire a a bagel or something, you get it all over your shirt or your suit and it's very hard to drive. Whereas when you hire a milkshake, it fills you up. Hmm. So I like to think about it as, you know, what's the job to be done? So when Kevin Fitzgerald was talking about the beer company, the job to be done is, you know, people are people want beer. So that's the job to be done. And the way to get um, the message out there is through this um, Instagram or social media channels, so mm. that people can still, you know, get that beer because that's what they want. They want to quench their thirst. Um, yeah. So that's how I think about it.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, that's how it really means. Like, do whatever it takes to get the job done, right? And if that means changing your your sales channels, your delivery channels, that's part of it. And it's sometimes letting go. Let's bring it over to diapers. We lost the halfway kevin dr kevin on the story about diapers you we were just getting into the full swing of it and we want to hear about diapers
1: oh really i was gonna i was gonna i was gonna uh, be pivoting and, and since everyone's talking about beer and, be uh, and, uh, and yeah yeah um, and i just want to share it because i just have to do this right i have to make an example about food uh and and uh otherwise it's incomplete uh restaurant rescue singapore so I don't know if you ever heard of Restaurant uh, Rescue Singapore. So there's a whole bunch of, you know, when COVID happened, the, 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 the restaurant scene just went crazy. And, uh, you know, all the, all the restaurants were having struggle with the sales. And, and uh, delivery was a problem because it became too expensive. And then someone very cleverly just went to start a, a Facebook page. And for those of you who get word of mouth, and just by posting your stuff on a Facebook page, you don't even have to set up a, a, a website you put your stuff on existing social media platforms and you reach out to your customers. So the point is that get an online as fast as you can. You don't have to create your own platform. Use any platform, WhatsApp even, right? I, in one of the earlier episodes, I talked about receiving this adverts through WhatsApp. Get on quickly, uh, even, even, even the uh, vegetable seller that I go to on, 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 on Sunday mornings, they, they went online really quickly. Uh, and, and all they did was through WhatsApp, right? Then they started just sent very, very crude approach. But the point is just get online, whatever way you can get the message out. And in some sense, what you're doing here is you're responding to the customer. You're interacting with your customer again. I think the key for Shopify or or Shopify or any company that, that wants to go online is to get online quickly and start interacting with your customer online right, in some way or other, and, and start to understand how would your, your customer be responding to you, interacting, and, and consuming your, your solutions and, uh, and buying your products uh, through online uh, purposes. Uh, I, could, I couldn't help but, but refer to one of the questions here. Where do we start if I have a big organization? Well, I'll say start with a unit closest to your customers, right? Start with the group that interfaces with your customer on a daily basis. They, they're the ones who, who will give you the clues on where to, where to start uh, online,
0: yeah, that's like Kevin was saying that, you know, in his experience working as an accountant, learning about small business and medium sized business, you get those kind of insights which enables you to iterate and deliver solutions to a, a problem that exists, right? And start, like you say, Dr. Kevin's great starting point is where is the front line of the business effectively, isn't it? Where do we touch the customer? You know, working backwards on that. It's been interesting, this conversation about getting on social media, for example. If you look at, there's a generation of social media retailers now appearing who may only be Instagram native. And it's interesting because they tend to be, for example, young businesses like Gymshark, for example, these kind of retailers that sell clothes and they won't have a website. They'll only have an Instagram account. And they'll be turning over $200 million in sales a year just through Instagram. Now, that, that's agile, isn't it? Because maybe, like you say, they were close to the customers from day one. Maybe they spent their time in gyms working out with customers, and they knew what the problem was.
1: Yeah, but be one: uh, even Google became too big. Even, even, uh, even Amazon, Google became really, really, really big, it became really uh, almost clumsy, uh, so, so the next message is to, to maintain the agility as you grow in, as you grow in size and scale, right? You still have to maintain a certain organizational structure. Uh, and one of the key things uh, that should go against uh, Agile is to think about restructuring for an Agile organization. I mean, that, that's just counterintuitive, what I'm trying to say here. Uh, it's not about a matrix organization. Yes, you can have squads, you can have scrum and all. But the, the key here is a lot of small teams working really quickly. Uh, And one of the key things i like to share that people need to think about um, is when you have many small teams working on the same problem, what you're effectively saying is you're throwing as many different solutions at the problem as you can simultaneously. And here's the kicker. Ultimately, one of them is going to find the the right answer. And when that team or individual finds the right answer, here's the key. Everybody wins. Uh, and I think that that's that's hard for organizations to think about it that way, uh, because if you think that only the winner takes all, then out of the ten teams attacking, the then people say, well, someone's going to win. I'm going to pull back. Right, I'm going to pull back. I'm going to fear uh, failing. I'm not going to test. I'm I'm going to think through the the sure win solution, uh, and and therein lies the problem with uh, the challenge of uh, agility.
0: Yeah. It's a great point. I mean, it harks back to the point earlier about agility, empowerment and accountability as well. It's like letting go a little bit there. I'm reading the questions and some of the comments coming through. We've got a few, we've got, Seven minutes left. So, maybe we can take some of the questions and the comments fielded, which may be more general. If you're raising your hand, put a comment in the webinar chat, and we will gather some of the questions and field them to our panel here. If you have any outstanding or burning issues about Shopify or Zero that you want answered, or maybe something that you want to ask about agile generally, then please put it in the chat and I'll do my best to field it. We've got questions coming in. Uh, whilst you're putting in your questions in the Q&A or in the chat box, either you can use then I will ask the panelists as well. We talked about the question of where do we start, which I think is a number one problem that people say, okay, so how do I do this Monday morning? Uh, another question coming in from Andy Yip, I'll open this up to the panel is, you know, I'll read this out just as other chat messages are coming through. Given that in an organization, there are many departments and so many people involved. How do we bring everyone up to speed? So, how do we make sure that while we are pursuing agility in the business, we leave no one behind? Is it Agile a democratic endeavor? Kevin, what about for yourself? Because you manage hundreds, if not thousands now of people. How do you deal with that? How do you make sure everybody's on board with Agile? Do you have Agile training Do you have Agile seminars or what? Do you even talk about Agile? Because last week we had, last time we had insights from Apple, they didn't even talk about innovation. Interesting. What about in zero? Do you talk about Agile in those contexts and how do you bring everybody up to speed?
3: I think bringing everybody up to speed really comes down to communication and communication styles. So, you know, branding something like Agile or innovation, I don't think... Actually, gets a lot of um, initial kind of interaction around, you know, people having interest in the change. Um, I think it's more around talking about the cultures in the business and saying, you know, the team styles, the you know the, the values, um, and this is the way that we want to work. And and how we've managed change in our business is really leading with communication, and it's it's supported by internal communication teams. And ensuring that the message is clear and I, I i would advise that it's not corporate communications so we haven't gone on a program of ensuring there's a big corporate plan there's a very natural style of communication in zero and it's, it's very much shown the human nature and even our global all hands which happens every wednesday morning so we had it this morning at 7am Sing- or sorry 9am singapore time um we've got 3,200 staff globally. We're getting about 2,700 a week to tune in. Hmm. So like that, I, don't, I haven't seen that happen in other large companies where everybody tunes in every week to hear what the CEO has to say. And it's not just Steve, it's actually engaging people from different teams of all levels um, coming through. So you can see the sentiment and the message is about collaboration, values, and working together towards a common purpose. So, in summary, it it, it is really communication and Mm. consistency of communication. Fantastic. Some great takeaways
0: there. Hey, listen, folks, we're near our allocated time. So, stick around because I'm going to give you a takeaway, how you can join us for Episode 4 as well, just before we round up on the key points. If we can jump into the next steps this is what you can do next. Firstly, there's some contact details there if you want to get in touch with Singapore Institute of Management your contacts are there. Make a note of that. Take a photo of it on your camera phone. I'm sure you have contact with these people already. That's fine. Second one is I'm going to give you the LinkedIn contacts of everybody that has joined us on the <laughs> panel today. Tell them that you love the webinar or tell them that you hate the webinar. Be honest, they love feedback in all different shapes and sizes. Um, but just reach out. I think that's the key. Here are the LinkedIn details. So grab your camera phone and take a photo of those because those are all the people that have joined us today. and I'm sure you will get a lot more out of networking them in the future and, you know, just following their posts on LinkedIn as well, the things that they talk about because really, you know, the day-to-day manifestations of Agile happen in the content that they share as well. You get an idea of how it actually works inside these organizations. And and before we leave as well, and flashing up the next slide, I want to show you how you can reserve your seat for number four. Just before we get to that slide, I want to say thanks to all the panelists today. Thank you very much for joining us in your insights. Dr. Kevin, as usual, um, fantastic for leading us through the world of Agile, looking forward to the next steps. Dr. Jovina, thank you for the insights and joining us for the first time on this Dash Plus series live show. And Kevin as well, Kevin Fitzgerald, fantastic having you here. Been great sharing a bit of the journey with you on Xero as well as your personal Agile journey as well. So stay in touch, keep in touch with all the panelists with those LinkedIn details as well. Thank you all to everybody that has joined us today. What's going to happen next is before we drop off, I'm going to show you a slide. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for your comments. Here is the QR code to join for episode number four. Go and grab your registration. Get your seat here. Um, you know, And before you forget, because in no time, we'll be back around for episode number four. So go and do that now. The link is in the chat as well if you can't QR code it. And um, thank you all for your comments and your interaction and your vote. And yeah, I agree with some of the comments as well. We didn't get to hear the full diaper story, but you know, you find. <laughs> find out next time. Yeah. through Netflix. I'll talk, I'll talk about it. <laughs> and you can obviously, you know, you can reach out to any of the panelists. I'm sure they'd be happy to share. Um, you know, because that's what it's about. That's the world that we live in. You can contact Mm -hmm. them on LinkedIn and just say, hey, tell us about the rest of the diaper story, Dr. Kevin. I'm sure I'd be happy to share. And if you missed anything from today, the Future of Work podcast as well will contain all the content, not just of today, but of the previous shows. We'll see you next time, folks, for episode number four. Looking forward to that. Wishing you all a safe and prosperous afternoon from here in Singapore we've had a great time the hour is up exactly you've been listening to the voices of dr jovina ang kevin fitzgerald and dr kevin young my name is graham brown this is the singapore institute of management's dash plus live show we'll see you next time folks have a great afternoon you have been listening to the future of work with me graham brown if you like what you heard, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to leave a review and a rating on your favorite episode. We'll be back with a brand new episode in two weeks.